Hello, everyone, and welcome to Joy Harvest Fellowship's podcast out of Lima, Ohio. Today, Pastor Michael Wyckoff has a sermon entitled, Knowing God's Nature. Let's join him as he gets underway. I, um, I just, I had a message already, but I'm not going to give it, because um, the message that I had was more along the lines of the secret of the kingdom. I just really, that's just one thing you're going to hear at least once a year. And it's something that you've heard before, and I'm going to continue that. This message is related to that, okay? But um, somehow I just couldn't, you know, I'm excited. You know, I don't know if you've, you've maybe in singing, you know, selecting songs, you know, oh, I love that song, but it just doesn't feel right for this Sunday or something. I'm going to do this one instead. Well, that's kind of the way it was with me. I had a friend call me um, on the phone, I guess it was, when was it? I think it was uh, the day after Christmas. He had, he had called me Christmas Eve, and you know, I was with the family, and, and he called again on Christmas, and there was tons of grandkids running all around. So I called him back, and again, this, this gentleman's a very prophetic fellow, and uh, he's not what I would call a, um, a, a Bible scholar, he, in the sense that, boy, he just can just rattle off scriptures. But he grew up um, as, a, as a preacher's kid, and, and I think, um, I'm not so sure his father was the first generation of, of pastoring, but anyway, very godly man, very deeply prophetic. And he had, I guess what you want to call, a conversation or encounter with the Lord that's right in line with what God started doing with me probably about two or three weeks ago. And I really felt that I had been, um, in looking back on the year, you know, what was good, what was not so good, what can be done better, and so forth. And one of the things that came up in my heart was, and this is just me, okay, um, that when it came to my uh, heart, my uh, I don't want to say my feelings, but I guess my attitude of heart. It was lacking in the sense that I, that I don't have the engagement with the world that I want to have that Jesus had. Now, what do I mean by that? I'm, I'm trying to say that um, I'm detached. There was, a, there was a detachment, I guess, in me. And I, I, I've... And a, a kind of a satisfaction in in good things. And I don't want to say, I don't want to say surface things. I've this year I've learned a lot. Um, you know, in the last five years I've probably learned more than I did all the years of my life before then. And this year was no exception. Uh, revelations have come. I've, I've had the privilege of sharing a lot of things that are kind of hot off the press. Great things. Um, you look back on the year. In this town, you know, some awesome things happened through the summer. I made new um, friends, new new experiences. I think that the evangelism in my life certainly was a lot better this year than it has been in previous years, and um, just just a lot of neat things. But uh, I, I I sense the Lord was telling me that I am somewhat detached. Now, a teacher can fall into certain problems, okay? We all have gifts, right? You know, some of us have that mercy gift, some of us have that prophetic gift, you know, and if you go through each one of those uh, gifts or perspectives in Romans 12, which are called the, um, you know, the, well, I call them the perspective gifts, um, gifts from the Father, you know, mercy, giving, you know, uh, prophecy, teacher, exhorter, and so forth. Each one of them has strengths and weaknesses. And one of the weaknesses of the teacher, the strengths of the teacher is we love getting stuff out of the Word of God and we love to share it and we love to analyze the Word and we love to deliver what, what God has given to us, okay? But the one detractor is that we could just be satisfied with logos. You could be satisfied with, hey, I ministered that, okay? I, I could be satisfied with the fact that I know that. And, and other people will come up and say, boy, that was really great, Mike, you know, good word and everything. And I certainly appreciate your giving God the glory for that, you know, even though, you know, it's something that I, uh, you know, I think you're showing your thankfulness for this. And I try to deflect that to the Lord. But one of the weaknesses is I'm not, uh, I, I, I don't have 
the attitude of Jesus. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean that uh, I'm finding, I believe that one of the reasons why all of us, and, and, and me because I'm, I'm satisfied with this having taught things, that I don't have really, even though the love of God is within me, I don't feel it having been delivered to somebody else, okay? Now, I know a lot of times, you know, the, have you ever seen The Wizard of Oz, okay? You know, the scarecrow was well, the smartest guy, and he said he didn't have a brain. And then you had the tin man who was just the most wonderful, warm-hearted guy, and he says, oh, if I could only have a heart, okay? And then you had the cowardly lion, okay, who was who just was thought he was so afraid, and, and yet when the chips were down, where was he there with his, he was there with the courage, right? And I know that you would say, and maybe properly so, well, Mike, you're the kind-hearted guy, you're such a nice guy, uh, and you're so warm-hearted, you're so loving, but really I think that is, yes, that's my personality, but is it really there, you know, is Jesus really coming out of me in the way it should? And I just said, Lord, you know, it's really not. It's not that I don't care about other people, I do. It's not that I don't like, you know, ministry, I do very much, but is the heart all there? And that's something that I'm, I'm working on personally. And I'm, I'm encouraging you all to maybe take a little bit of an inventory of, of your life, okay, and where maybe, you know, God will say, hey, you know, good stuff like when you have an annual review at work. It's great, you know, you need to sit down. And I wish I had more annual reviews. I've worked, you know, I worked for, you know, the better part of 40 years in companies and jobs. And I would say maybe two or three times I really had a good formal annual review, okay? I had raises and not raises, but very rarely did I have an annual review. And what do they do? They give you the good, and they give you, here's what you need to work on. And this is something that God can do with you. Um, but anyway, so about two weeks ago, I sat down and I just said, Lord, you know what? I know that probably there's, there's a lot of things that I could be doing more powerfully if I had the heart of the Lord, not just the knowledge, but the heart. And I was led to go back to a book that I read um, back in the 70s, I think it was. And, um, I, I, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention the book. I'm not saying, hey, go rush out and read it. There are certain books that will affect you. I mean, this one may not affect you like it did me, but um, it, was, it was about Catherine Coleman. It's a book called Daughter of Destiny by Jamie Buckingham. And essentially, it was... Uh, a, a, it was a biography <clears throat> of her life, and uh, Jamie had Buckingham. I don't know if you remember him. He he had he's been in different ministries, different shows, and so forth. Written different books. He's a writer, but he um, uh, talked to Catherine Coleman. He worked in Catherine Coleman's ministry for the last years of her ministry, and at the end, he she said, "Jamie, just tell everything. Just 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 tell everything about the life that I've lived," and it's quite a life, okay? And let me tell you, she was something else, okay? <laughs> she really was. But one of the things that I think drew me to that was this woman knew the love of the Father. She knew the love of the Father. And you wonder, well, why did the Holy Spirit do so uniquely and so powerfully so much in her ministry that he does in so few other ministries. Not that every ministry should be like Catherine Coleman's ministry, but when you talk about, like, wow, did that really happen? Did that, did, did that really happen? Now, that, a lot of people went to her services and saw the healings that went on, and they said, did that really happen? And you look at that life, it's like, <laughs> did that really happen? Nobody could have scripted uh, not only the, the 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 crusades that she had, but the life beforehand that she had, and you know the 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 faults that she had in her life, and you know she ended up, you know, being a big time evangelist in the 30s, and had a big old huge mega church out in Denver, and uh, this guy came along, this handsome evangelist came along, she went off and ran and married him after he divorced his wife, and she disappeared off the scene. But and it took a couple decades for her to get back, but she she did okay, and God really really blessed it, and 
I'll tell you, it, 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 it's a great book. It's a great book if you want to see probably one of the most powerful ministries in the 20th century, number one, and number two, to see how God will use an imperfect vessel and why he does. But I believe one thing, and I'm leading up to a point here, okay? I believe that what was probably the major reason why, why the Holy Spirit, and I like to analyze things, you can't analyze God, okay? You can't put him in a box, but I like to, and I'm trying, and I'm doing it here a little bit, is that God saw this lady's heart. She died of an enlarged heart physically, okay? But I think there's a parallel in her life that she had such a love of God and that not just loving God is the object of her love, okay? But she loved people desperately. She would take the little people and have the genuine love of Jesus in her life, okay? She knew worship, she knew love, and you know, sometimes too, I think God will take a woman, will probably find more women who can be that way, okay, than, than maybe us men. Now, there were some mighty men of God, obviously, there have been, you know, Benny Hinn and others, but, but and, and you'll see some some uh, heart characteristics in all of their lives, but one of them is just a love for the Holy Spirit and the love of the Holy Spirit in them. And I, I read that, I didn't read the whole book, but I read probably two-thirds of the book. I just could not put it down late at night and stuff. And I was in tears. You know, because, you know, I could read stuff and I could be very detached, very non-emotional, you know, even to a point where sometimes I pride myself on not being so, you know, so uh, 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 inclined to cry, okay? But I said, God, fix me. That whole thing fixed me. And I wept. So... And then, so anyway, so this guy calls me, you know, it's my friend John, and he said, uh, basically, uh, he had uh, a, an encounter with the Lord where God said, people, if, if, if people knew my nature, they would be, rather than having 10%, 20% results in their prayers for healing for other people, they would have 70, 80, 90%. This is what he said God said. Now, again, you have to... Understand, you don't know this guy from Adam, and you can't take, you got to take prophetic words, not with a grain of salt, but you need to, you need to, you know, check your spirit, and you need to check the word when you hear something like this, all right? And, and I wrote copious notes while he was talking to me, and every, about three, he can't call anybody. He says, Mike, you're the only one I can call. People think I'm, I'm weird. And he is, he is, you know, from a social standpoint, he's not exactly all there, you know, from a social skill standpoint. But, but God really talks to this man, and he has in the past, and he has been, I will say, right on reading my mail, not knowing a thing about what's going on. And he'll call and say, okay, here's what's happening, here's what to do about it, you know, with the alley thing. I mean, just, you can talk, we can tell you story after story about this guy. But anyway, God was saying to him, do you really know my nature? If you knew my nature, if you can just get a hold of my nature like, like Jesus did, you'd have his results. If you just knew me, if you know the Father's love, and I, I you know, I, theologically, oh yes, God loves us. God, I, I heard that, I've heard that all my life. And I know he does. And I, my life's a testimony of his love, and so is yours. How many accidents? has he saved us from, how many things that he's done for us, how he's provided for us, how he saved us. And, you know, we know the love of God in this, that Christ died for us on the cross, okay? We see a demonstration of that. But do we really, really know him? Do we really have this, 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 this conviction of who our father is and his nature so that when we minister to somebody, we're confident that he will heal them? You see, the whole thing was, and I better get to my notes here. I'm talking, and I, it's good that I'm talking, but, but do we really know the nature of our Heavenly Father? And here's a, a prayer. I've talked about this in the past. Let's make sure we turn on. 
This prayer, we talked about this several months ago. This is one of the prayers of Paul. And this is a prayer that I'll read first and then I'll talk. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. This is Paul writing to the Ephesians. From whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. Why do we want that? So that we may be filled up to the fullness of God. This is Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 19. It's a prayer of Paul, and what I've encouraged you to do in the past, and I encourage you to do now, is to pray this prayer for yourself. You would say, Lord, I pray that, you know, you would strengthen me, you know, according to your power, you know, through your spirit and my inner man, that Christ may dwell in my heart, and that I would be rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend, you know, what the height and depth and length and width of your love is and so forth. Pray this prayer for yourself. This is a prayer that every Christian should be praying if they wanted to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Do we really know? This is a question, again, I'm going to be asking. Several times before I'm done. Do we really know the nature? Do we really know the love of our Heavenly Father? If we did, there would be no such thing as ministry failure. There'd be no such thing as a prayer failure. There'd be no such thing as a power failure if we knew the love of God. Now, we've heard that, you know, in order to be effective in, in you know, getting our prayers answers and receiving from God and enjoying the benefits that we receive when Christ died on the cross. We need to have faith and we need to know the word and we need to pray and we need to believe and so forth. And that's absolutely true. But I would wager that in your mind and in my mind, there's an incompleteness. There's a vacuum in our, in our minds and in our hearts concerning the love of God. We know it up here. We know God loves us. We even have the proof of it. But when the chips are down, is God going to come through for us or not? Or is he going to, for some reason, not answer our prayer like, well, maybe that person doesn't have enough faith, or maybe you don't have enough faith, or maybe you know it's not working because you're not spiritual enough, or you didn't read the Bible enough. There's always, I don't know what it is, in your life, but there's always been in my place, you know, in ministry, probably in the last year or two, just a, well, I don't know what it is, but there's something going on, but I'm just going to pray and I'm going to move on because if I, if I think about it, I'll get all upset as to why that didn't work, okay? And I thought that's good because I don't want to dwell on things that I can't really fathom. There, there, there are reasons why things don't happen. There are reasons why prayers don't get answered. I, I get that. But, I'm, but I guess what I'm trying to say, and I'm hopefully getting across, is that it could it be, I'll put it in question form, could it be that maybe my heart concerning God is incomplete? Is he really the loving God that desperately desperately wants to heal. I'm just going to use healing. Now, there can be financial issues. There can be emotional issues. I'm just going to use healing uh, just to illustrate here uh, a broader point. Anything that, that we know that, di that Jesus died on the cross for is available to us, and he wants us to have it. But do we really believe that he wants us to have those things? And again, let's just use healing uh, because that's a very common situation. You know, we've, we've, we've heard messages that have strengthened me, messages that I've given, messages that I've heard about, you know, who we are in Christ. We need to hear that. And you're going to hear more. Um, what we can do in Christ, what we have in Christ, 
We need to hear that. But knowledge is a start, and you got to have that. we got to have the knowledge of those things. And, and it's exciting, okay? But getting the knowledge is really receiving the invitation, okay? In other words, I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ, okay? And, and that helps me, and that increases, it does increase my faith. It helps, all right? But, you know, if you buy a piece of property, let's say, and uh, or you're you're like in a piece of property. Let's say you bought the property and you, know, you had a quick tour and it's the right place and the right right amount of money. But it's so big that you know that that, that you really haven't explored it totally. Or you buy a house, you you haven't really looked at every nook and cranny of the house. Um, you buy a, a smartphone, okay? Hey, I want a smartphone. Well, you know how many? When you bought your first smartphone, did you know everything that you had in that smartphone? No. You know, you could call people, you know, all right, I know how to text, but, you know, you got GPS, you know, you got the calendar, you got, you know, a reminder, and Siri can tell you who won the football game and what the weather's going to be. I mean, you know, right? You can find out what's nearby, you know, and, and uh, have what's up to find out what the pastor has to say that's going on in the church. But we didn't get all those things when we first bought the smartphone. We knew they were out there, but I don't know how to use it yet. All right? And I believe that what we've done is we've heard what we can do in Christ, who we are in Christ, and so forth, but we have not explored those things. See, revelation that you get here and in a book and from a teacher and one-on-one -on -one with the Lord, just like this word that we got earlier, it, it, it makes you aware, and that's a good thing. But faith brings you to experience. And what's faith? It's exploring. Like, for instance, you know, you buy that property. Oh, well, over there is this, this uh, barn, okay? All right, that's cool. But maybe you've bought it and you never went into the barn. What's in there? You know, is it dilapidated? Is it, you know, is it, is it okay? Maybe they told you it was okay. You couldn't, you couldn't check it out, all right? Well, you go over there and you look in the barn. You say, hey, this is neat. I could put some of the animals over here that I have over there and so forth. In other words... You're exploring something that you've already possessed, all right? When you hear the word and you get faith from the word, okay, that's kind of like saying, hey, yeah, that barn over there is part of the property, all right? But until you go over to the barn or until you go into your smartphone and start using some of the other features, you're not experiencing what you already had, okay? And I believe that this is, this is something that we have as a lifelong pursuit, and that is, the, in this case, pursuing the nature of the love of God, pursuing the nature of God and pursuing the love of God, grasping who God really is, a God that wants, really wants to heal all diseases that you have instantly. He wants you, whether you, do, whether you get it or not, he wants you desperately to have those. Why? Because the Bible says he does. He wants you to have what you pray for. In fact, Jesus, this is the thing about the Bible. You go in there. I'm going all over the place. I'm just going to talk. You look at some of the scriptures in the Bible. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, whatever, whatever you want, just pray for it. You'll have it. This blank check, okay? Uh, and he does that, he, if he did that once, he'd say, well, maybe that's kind of a, you know, that monk might have had too much, you know, matzah or something that, that night when he translated or transcribed the Bible. And then, you know, uh, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you can ask, now there's the qualification, abide in you, you shall ask what you will, it shall be done, okay? That's, mo that's one of the more conservative ones. And then John 12, uh, 14, sorry, John 14, 12 to 14, I have them all in slides, but I'm just going to tell you, and maybe we'll look at them again. It says, you know, um, that the works that I do, you'll do too, and greater things than that shall you do. And then just in the next chapter, 15, in 16, I think he said, you know, ask and you'll receive that your joy may be full. You know, and the question's going to come up, well, wait a minute now. 
I've asked and I have not gotten answers. Why did, but, but Jesus didn't say that. He said, well, if you have enough faith, I mean, yeah, he does talk about faith in some of these scriptures, okay? What things you, soever you desire, okay? Believe that you receive them, you shall have them, all right? But he says anything, he uses the word anything, whatsoever, time and time again. And it seems like he ignores, for the most part, all these objections, you know? Now, he addresses them, you know, some, in other scriptures, you could say, well, okay, you know, you can't ask for your neighbor's wife, okay? He's not going to give you that, all right? But that promise still remains. This blank check, whatever. And see, you got to remember, he's talking to his disciples, first of all. He's not talking necessarily to a believer who, who is, um, you know, has a long way to go, <laughs> okay, in terms of their growth in, in the Lord. He's talking to people that are honestly pursuing him. And in, in that crowd, and these are the insiders I was talking about from a couple of weeks ago. You know, on the outside, I want to speak to those people in parables. They're interested in me, they're pursuing me, but I'm going to talk, to parable, talk in parables to them. But to you, I'm going to explain everything, right? And out there are the believers. Right here are the disciples, Okay? You can have believers and you can have disciples, right? I'm talking to disciples, right? And that's what Jesus was saying. And to the disciples, he said, ask what you want. You, you've seen these scripture verses. And you have all these yeah buts going on in your mind, don't you? And in fact, he said to James and John, everything that I just mentioned to you, and, and when they went to Samaria, and that town wouldn't let them walk through because they found out he was going to Jerusalem, what do they say to Jesus? Jesus, shall we call fire to come down on them and burn them? You know, and Jesus turned around and rebuked them. He said, "You don't know what spirit you are, you know, that you're of when you ask for that." But still, that promise remains. God really doesn't give you much room for failure. Now, we just had a word on failure, and we have to understand this because He's with you in that. I'm not saying that he's not with you because you failed or doesn't like you because you failed or won't help you because you failed. He's there. But in his word, he just assumes perfection. Be perfect, even as my Father in heaven is perfect. That's it. End of story. Heal the sick. He didn't say pray for the sick. He said, you know, try healing. Try, try to do this. He says, heal the sick, period. Okay? Raise the dead. Cleanse the leper. Cast out devils. Boom, that's it. Do it. Go. All right? And he didn't give the disciples a three-week class before he sent them out, and they did it. You see? He, he set a high bar to me, to, to the flesh, to the person that has prayed and not hot, gotten results with people. Not everybody I pray for gets healed from their sickness. It's like the Bible doesn't care. It says, go do it, expecting you to do it. What I'm saying is this. God wants it all to work 100% of the time. We don't think he wants that. But I'm just reminding you that the Bible basically uh, says that's what God wants. He, he, he desperately wants you to pray for a cancer patient and for that cancer patient to be healed. Not this 10% stuff, 5%. Hey, thank God. Thank God we've had our, 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 our successes. I've had mine and you've had yours. And some are pretty outstanding. And we're like, gosh, you know, I wish it would be like that all the time. All right? But I believe that the problem just very well could be that I am not all there yet when it comes to knowing the love of the Father. I may know it theologically, okay, but do I know his heart? Do I, do I go after his heart when I pray for somebody and I know God 100% wants that person healed? See, I'm, I'm not so sure now I, I, I really, I'll just be honest, totally have that yet where I'm like, 100% that that, God, that that person I'm praying for, God wants healed right now when I pray for that person. 
Could it be that that's why we're, we're struggling? And then for ourselves, does he want me healed? Oh, yes, by his stripes I'm healed. I mean, I, you know, I can win an argument with anybody on this if, if they are willing to look at the scriptures. We'll win on that, okay? But that, is that all I can do is win the argument? But I really don't have it in me to apply it and demonstrate it. And I believe the reason is, and I'll talk about myself, but I have a feeling this is the case in all of us. We live in a world of orphans. So many of us, to one degree or another, have a, a, a father's love issue. Okay? And we probably all have stories about our fathers. Okay? And, 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 and I'm a father. And, and I know I have not been perfect. I have not always displayed godliness sometimes, you know, hey, when you live with any of us, okay, any, any one of us, if, if you're lived with, you know, um, people will, will see the good and the bad in you, right? Fly on the wall in your house. But, and, and, I'm, and I, I'm glad to hear my kids say, Dad, you know, Dad, you're such a, such a model, and, and I'm, I'm finding my kids are better fathers than I was. And they're, you know, and to a great degree, they say, Dad, it's because of you. And I, I say, thank the Lord. But I can remember, <laughs> but there are just things that I saw that I did that did not display the love of the Father. Not, I, I'm not talking about beating them. I'm not talking about coming home and getting drunk. Let me give you an example. I, I just want this to be a discussion here. I'm, I know it's a one-way discussion. Um, just being a little different today because it's New Year's Eve. But I remember one time when my dad came home. This was, oh gosh, this is when we lived in Virginia. Um, so sometime between 1986 and 1989, okay. And I remember my dad coming down, and we had a good time with him. And, and my dad was a, was a complex guy. He, he was sort of an enigma in a way. Really nice guy, great socially. He had friends and so forth. And, and to be honest with me, with, with you, he would, he told me things in my youth. Um, I wouldn't be what I am today without some of the things he would say. Mike, you're a fine young man. You know, I remember when I was five years old, he would, he would say those things which, which built me up, okay? He was a non-believer. He was an extreme humanist, okay? Prided himself on intellectualism and so forth. I mean, he wasn't stuck up. He didn't like stuck up people, okay? So he was good at masking his conceit, okay? But, you know, because he wanted to be normal, all right? But I remember uh, when they were leaving and uh, our house, they had been with us for a few days. And I just, you know, we were shaking hands and I went to hug him. And, and he, he just kept shaking my hand, in other words, blocking me from hugging him, okay? And it, it hit me real hard. He wouldn't hug me. It hurt. You know, and of course, in my own mind, it was like, well, whatever, you know. But his generation, they were not huggers, okay? You know, and our, it, you know, I was going to a church, you know, and, and we would, by that time, you know, everybody hugged everybody else, you know. So I did it a little bit out of habit, but it shocked me, you know. And he was good, he provided. And by the way, he's born again, okay? You know, he got born again very late in you know, life. This was before he was saved, okay? And, and that was the time when we were having some pretty big arguments about salvation and everything. He didn't like it. He didn't like the fact I was saved. And that's another issue. But um, he just, there was, a, there was an ice there. There was an ice there. And I felt it. And, and this detachment, okay, um, was there. I I, now, I partially remediated that a little bit with my kids. I, I, I would hug them, but I didn't do that early on, okay? I started doing it when they were older. And now, you know, when we, like at Christmas, you know, I hug them and everything, and they hug me, and, and we say, hey, love you, love you, you know, say I love you, you know. But that was something I don't know if I really did that much, if at all, when they were little. Okay, thank God I, I woke up to things. I read the book, The Father's Touch, and so forth. But everybody, 
all of us have had father wounds. We've had that um, in one form, to one degree or another. And I remember going to Russia, and you know the seven or eight times that I went there, and people would come up, especially the, the females, you know, believers, and with tears in their eyes, just. I just have a lousy prayer time. I just, I don't know, I just can't connect with God. And, and that was back when, you know, we were talking about things like intimacy and, and, and uh, with the Father. And, and we would talk about the Father's love. And, and, these, and so many of these Russian people say, I don't feel that. And I know that God loves me, but I just am not experiencing that love. He blesses me, you know, uh, he saved me, he died on the cross for me, but I am just not making a personal connection with him. Russia has one of the highest rates of father abandonment and alcoholism in the world, okay? Uh, there are so many single uh, parents, females, that's why, you, you know, the, the Russian female is so aggressive because as soon as these kids reach 13, 14, they go off and get drunk almost universally. It's a, it's a horrible problem there. You know, they have winters like this from October to, to April, okay? And it's just a miserable life there sometimes. And, and drinking is, is just part of the culture. It's in their blood. <laughs> you know, I hate to say it. I know it's not true biologically. And, and, and fathers would be home even sometimes, in some of these cases, because I talked to these, and, and again, most of them were girls. My dad was home, but he never touched, he never hugged me, he never touched me, he never said, I, I love you. That's why they're having a problem. And I know a lot of people, when it comes to expressing themselves in worship and letting go, this is not a rule of thumb, but I would say more of the people that are able to release themselves in church are people that had a less of a father love issue, you know. Um, and, you know, if you talk to this, of course I love my son. Of course I love, you know, my dad would say, of course I love you, Michael. I, I, could, I could tell you everything he'd be telling me back then. I know, he, I know after he got saved, he'd tell me differently, all right. But, of course I love you. I provided for you, you know. I went to your, you know, your wrestling matches and so forth. Well, he went. That's not true. He didn't. He didn't come to one. But anyway, that was back in the days before parents went to kids' games. But but anyway, he would tell me all the things that he did. He he would take me to the next town on the train. I loved going on the train, and he'd tell me stories about the three bears and stuff. You know, so I would. He'd even be with me. Okay, so I consider myself very very fortunate. You know, as far as a father thing. But this world, all of us have. I think a gap when it comes to the Father's love. Jesus reveals that love. You know, people say, why did Jesus come? If I were to ask that question, we could list a lot of things. He came to destroy the works of the devil. He came that we might have life and have life more abundantly. He, um, you know, he came to, uh, to, um, to, to die on the cross and, and you know, forgive us of our sins and, and die and, ri and rise again. We know all those things, but there's an there's a overarching reason why he came. All of those that I just listed come under, come under one thing, to show the love of the Father. Every one of those things can fit under that definition. Jesus came to reveal the Father. And if we can understand like he did the love of the Father, we can do what he did. Now, aside from his divinity, I'm convinced of this more than ever before. If you put the divinity aside of Jesus, he's God, all right? But everything from his ministry to his character to, his, to everything that he displayed and everything Jesus was and did is available to us because he was the son of man, all right? And in fact, he was the son of God. We're, we're sons and daughters of God as well. So we even are equal to him in terms of our standing and potential anyway as Jesus. The only thing that we can't have is being God, okay? We are not God, but we can be partakers of the divine nature even, all right? But you're not God. You're not divinity. But 
Everything else is on the table. Everything. Everything that he did is on the table. You know, Peter with his shadow, that's on the table for us with the healing. Uh, everything. But see, the one thing that we lack is an understanding of the goodness of God because we have a, well, I'll call it a father gap. A father gap. And our understanding of the goodness of God determines how effectively and accurately we represent him. You know, if we don't understand God's nature accurately, we won't represent him accurately. Knowing the Father's love helps us to represent him better from a heart standpoint, not from a theology standpoint. See, I'm up here a lot. Theology, teacher. This is, this is what the Word says. The Word, the Word, the Word. Logos. Okay? Um, and, and I'm all for the Holy Spirit coming in there and making it happen. And he does. He does. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm just talking about getting to the level where God wants us to be. I'm dissatisfied. I'm dissatisfied with where I am right now. I'm very happy with my life. I'm happy to be pastoring here. I am happy. I've got the most wonderful wife in the world where I live. I, 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 there's so many things I'm happy about. I'm happy about football, I, you, know, this, you know, food, where I am. There's so many things that I am content and happy with. But way down deep, way down deep, I have a longing. Way down deep, I, I, I have an awareness of a gap where if I could just connect and grasp with, connect with and grasp the love of the Father totally, spirit, soul, and body, I will reach that area where I can do what Jesus did and be what he was. That's, that's the gap that I have. Jesus came for all those reasons, but again, if we can understand that he came, Jesus is perfect theology. He came to show us the love of the Father. That's what he did. And this world lives in a vacuum in its heart about God's love. Today I want to help you to understand, just here in the 10 minutes that I have left, I just want to help you understand his love, okay? And, and, and what I'd like to do, maybe just maybe spend a few minutes in prayer after that. You know, we receive some, some things when we're born again, but you know, automatically, okay? One of the things you automatically get is the love of God shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit in here. I want it to come out. I think I've bottled it up a little bit. I think we bottle it up because we don't have that deep understanding that the kingdom is way better than we think, that God's goodness is far greater than we think, and that the gospel is much more radical than we think. That's what's, that's what's blocking us, which what I believe is blocking me. God is better than we think, and therefore we have to change the way we think. Now again, it may be less so with you than it is with me. I know in Christ he's given us more than we think, so I have to change the way I think about that. Um, and, you know, if I fail, and by the way, I want to just stress, <laughs> failure is not a fault. Okay, like God's saying, you failed. You're at fault. Okay, how dare you? You know, away from me. I never knew you. Please, I'm not saying that. God is just going like this. He says, look, there's more. There's more. And you'll get more if you know me and if you know my nature. That, that's what he's saying. That's what he's telling us. God, now, so how does he do this? How, what's going to motivate me and what's going to motivate you to reach this level of awareness of, of the Father's love? Okay? I think, I, I don't have all the answers to this, but I believe that he's put within us, and the reason why we have this discontent, and I know you have it, whether you know it or not, you do have the same discontentment, in your Christianity as I do when it comes to emulating 
the life of Jesus. Okay? And that is, the remedy to that is acknowledging, let me step back, the remedy is first to discover and then to acknowledge the dreams that he's placed in your heart. There are things that you were born to do and born to be that you might be doing either fully or partially or not at all, right? And again, I think we, we all vary in our level of, of success in that area. But, you know, when you're born, even before you're born again, every kid has dreams. They have heroes. Every generation of kids has superheroes. Thank goodness, at Christmas, you know, the superhero stuff, the superhero movies and everything. And, and we had that. I remember Superman. I, I love Superman. I don't know if you did. I mean, you know, but, but we all, at least boys do, okay? Now, girls, you know, you, you all had your Barbie dolls and stuff. You wanted to care and cuddle and nurture, okay? We wanted to go out. We wanted to conquer and fight and win battles, right? So I might be talking a little bit more from the masculine standpoint, but mine was Superman, okay? But I would fantasize. I remember lying in bed at night in first grade thinking about me being Superman and saving this girl that I had a crush on and our teacher who I was in love with, you know, from some supervillain, okay, or whatever, because I could fly through the air and bend steel with my bare hands and do all these things, you know, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound, all right? I just thought about that. I would just fantasize. I play movies in my mind about me being Superman um, and, and, and saving those that I love from death, from a burning building, you know, I, defeating the bad guys. I love doing that. Every little boy has that in him naturally, right? He doesn't outgrow. And by the way, you know, the, the, the desire to be rescued, to be saved, and to, and, to, and to be nurtured and to nurture and so forth is in the females, too. And when we grow up, we don't lose any of that. We just become more sophisticated about it, and we tend to bury it a little bit as well. But you think about every story, every love story, every myth, whether it's a Nordic myth, you know, Tor and, <clears throat> you know, all those, all those gods, you know, the Nordic gods or the Greek gods, and to a great degree, Greek tragedies and so forth. Um, all stories have this in common. Okay, they are, um, it's all the same. You have a hero, you have a villain, you have a maiden, uh, you have oppression by the villain, struggle between the hero and the villain, victory over the villain, the rescue of the maiden, uh, then marriage to the maiden, and then they live happily ever after. They all have that. You see that in the, wet, the John Wayne Westerns. You see that in, like I said, Norse mythology, Ancient mythology, basically, you know, movies from time immemorial, they all pretty much have all those elements, don't they? Uh, you know what else has that in it? Well, we lost the Bible. The Bible. <laughs> I'll hold up a Bible. Here's a Bible. That has it. You have that. We have a hero. His name is Jesus. We have a villain, the devil. We have the villain doing something bad to the helpless, you know, so to speak. Well, Adam gave himself up, but you have man taken in captivity, the maiden. Mankind, humanity is the maiden. You have Jesus, the superhero, coming to rescue us and then marrying us. And then we live happily ever after. Everything that I just mentioned, you know, the, uh, the, and the fight that goes on. Okay? You have warfare. You have swords. You have, you know, from a spiritual sense, every, the Bible is the story from which all these other stories come. It's in us. We're so aware of it. That's why, you see, it's all there. Um, and, and so what God has put in you is a role in that story. Okay? God put this story in the heart of every person. And we have a motivation to fight. The men have a motivation to fight and win and to do something in the kingdom, okay? And like I said, so do the women. You have that role. <clears throat> and the ministry of Jesus was to save people, right? Here's my point. God put those desires in you. 
He didn't give you those desires just to encounter frustration and not being able to have them happen in your life. Like, for instance, a person is sick. You pray for them. They are to get well. That's what God wants. He doesn't want them to stay sick. He does not want that. He's not going to put the desire there and then say, oh, no, no, I don't want you to have that. He, doesn't, he won't do that. And I know that I'm begging a big question here is why not, okay? One of the big reasons is we don't know the love of the Father like we need to love. At least when I say no, I am talking about heart, soul, and body, and I have to quit. But when you're praying for a person with terminal cancer, where do you think your desire to see that person healed comes from? He wants, God wants that person healed all of the time. He's their father. He wants you healed. He's your father. You know, for us to beg the father to heal us or someone else is to assume we have more mercy than he does. That's a quote from Randy Clark. One of, the, one of the great healing teachers. Could it be that Jesus healed through the outflow of his relationship with the Father? It was effortless almost. Let me show you. Uh, Proverbs thirteen twelve. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. You have the tree of life here in Proverbs, okay? You have the tree of life in Genesis at the beginning, and you have the tree of life in Revelation in the end. And then here you have it in Proverbs in the middle. I think that these are the three times in the Bible you have the tree of life mentioned, okay? We know the tree of life was, uh, access to it was shut off because man in a sinful condition, if the angel didn't have that same flaming sword keeping us out of the Garden of Eden and getting to the tree of life, we would be forever imprisoned eternally in the sin condition. We didn't want that. God didn't want that. We understand that. We know at the end, the tree of life is going to be there. We're going to be partake, of, partake of that and live forever. But the tree of life is for the present right here. Okay, And what God is saying is, this tree of life is for you. Okay, And I have put a hope in you to make the ministry of Jesus come alive in your life. Right? And when you do that, you are giving the tree of life to somebody else, you see. And that is the essence of life. We are distributors of God's grace. Is our knowledge of God too much of a head thing and not a heart thing? Could it be that the reason we can talk about healing but not achieve the results because we don't believe way down deep that God desperately wants all to be saved from sin or healed from their diseases? And there's so much theology around that says that. You know, we can knock the Calvinists a lot. Okay, well, it's just not God's will. But you know, I think there's a little bit of that in all of us. You know? So, I guess what I want to do um, is, I haven't finished, obviously. I, I spent a lot of time building something, and I, I, I would have liked to have closed it, okay? But When God says, what do you want? If God were to appear to you like he did to Solomon and says, what do you want? So many of us would say, well, I want your will to be done. Whatever your will is, God. Okay, but what do you, what do you want? Well, whatever you want for me, God. And, and God, I think he's asking you, will you tell me what you want? Well, God, just, you know, your will be done in my life. At this point, God's saying, will you stop? What do you want? Tell me what's in you. You see, we have been brainwashed to a degree. I, I, I get the fact that we need to be submissive to the will, surrender to God, his will be done in our life. I get all that, all right? But there's another extreme where we're like, we're, we're suppressing or ignoring or we're ignorant of or we haven't discovered yet the dreams that God has put in us a school for the deaf, you know, or mission trips to Belize, whatever. You know, there's just things that we have that we want, okay, that God can't do through anybody else but you. You're the only one. If it doesn't happen through you, that version of God's dream won't happen, okay, because see what he did. He put that version, a particular version of his dream in you and, and, and made it your dream. 
And when I say your dream, it's really not your dream. It's God's dream. God has put all these dreams in you, you see. And this is what, what I'm saying, is that when we yield to what God has placed in our heart for us, we just, we, we, we have out this year, let's ask God, what is it as individuals and as a church that we are to do? Because until and unless we find out what that dream is, okay, we're going to be surface people, kind of not really, we're just, we're not doing exactly what God wants us to do. There's this general rule, pray for the sick, that's general. You know, talk to people about Jesus, that's a general thing, all right? But there are specific things that are only for you, that are assignments for you, all right? But you won't be able to do those assignments until you understand that God put them there and that he wants you to succeed in them, okay? And I'm referring to the general and the specific, all right? You will, be, you will not be happy totally in this life, specifically, I shouldn't say happy, you will not have this inner sense of fulfillment in your life until you do those general and specific things that God has put in the Bible for the general and put in your heart for the specific, okay? But that won't, neither one of them will happen until you first understand the love nature of God. We've got to capture his nature. We've got to capture his love. Let's, let's stand up. You know, we can't fall for that lie that God only wants to meet our needs but not our desires. Have you heard that? God really just wants to meet your need but not your desires, okay? Even though the Bible says he'll give you the desires of your heart, okay? Um, you know, if you abide in me and in my words abide in you, and by the way, that's the secret of the kingdom. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. You know, that fruit he's talking about is not character. He's not talking about the fruit of the Spirit here. He just said, it's answered prayer. That's what he's talking about. Just read that verse, okay? Ask whatever you wish. He's talking about the desires of your heart. The fruit he's talking about is answered prayer. And he says, when that happens, I'm glorified. The Father is glorified when your prayers are answered and when you lay hands on somebody and they're healed. He's glorified. God is not the obstacle to our success. He is not the cause of our failures. And when I say failures, where we come short of emulating the ministry of Jesus and receiving what we want or what we need that Jesus died on the cross for. So, Lord, we just come to you, Lord, and we ask you this one simple thing. Will you show us, will you show us your love Help your love. Lord, we want to have a full grasp to know what is the height, the depth, and length, and width of your love. Lord, we want to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge so that we might be filled to the measure with all the fullness of God. Lord, awaken us to the love of the Father, to your love, Father. Give me the grace to make the Father's love known to this world, Lord. That's my prayer, Lord, for myself and for all of us in this room, Lord. Lord, we've just been lacking in that area, the Father's love. We just ask for that for 2018, God, that your love would be in us consciously, not hidden. And that your love would flow through us, dear Father. Give us the revelation of your love. Thank you for showing us your desires, Lord, this morning for us. Thank you, Jesus. There's no such thing as a faith problem if you know the love of God. If you know the love of God, 
for you and the will of God, faith is automatic. We don't have to struggle. We don't have to get emotional even. We don't have to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. When you know God's love, the nature of the Father, the will of God, if you know what a father is, you know what the father wants. If you know what a father would do for an adulterous daughter, that was a, the, the woman caught in adultery was a father-daughter encounter there. Daughter. Well, where are your accusers? Nowhere, Lord. Go in peace, you know, and sin no more. See, blind Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? What would any father do for his son? if he could heal the blind eyes of the son. He would heal them because he's a father, right? He's a father. We need to know the father, the father's love. And once we do, faith is not an issue. Thank you, Jesus. Help us in this regard, Father, and we just we will pursue this. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, 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 amen. I hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you'd like to know more about us, please go to our website at www.joyharvest.org or you can look us up on Facebook. Thanks again for listening and have a blessed week.